Get inside the game from every angle. It's Rugby Direct with Elliot Smith, powered by Newstalk ZB. You know, direction is you thought we were done for the year, not quite. Rugby Direct back for one last of our usual episodes. We've got a couple of summer ones coming for you before we wrap up for 2021, but it has been a big week of rugby news. I suppose if you go back last week, we had Sam Kane re-signing, uh, Artie Savia before that as well. Now Cody Taylor's re-signed with the All Blacks. We had Sarah Hidney cleaning up alongside the Blackfern Sevens at the New Zealand Rugby Awards. Mark Robinson issuing an update on the Silver Lake scenario as well. Joe Schmidt and Ian Foster, they're going to be alongside each other next year, sort of. Joe Schmidt becoming independent selector with the All Blacks. So so we thought we'd better rattle through a few topics for you on the podcast and uh, who better to discuss, a regular on the podcast, Chief Sports Writer for the New Zealand Herald is Liam Napier. Liam, thanks as always for your time. No worries. Merry Christmas, Elliot. Yeah, same to you. Well, uh, we've had some early Christmas gifts, I suppose, uh, from New Zealand rugby and the rugby world. Plenty of news on the go. Uh, first and foremost was the Joe Schmidt news, which came out um, earlier in the week as we record this, that he's going to be the independent selector replacing Grant Fox from uh, next year, uh, heading into the rugby championship. What do you make of this appointment? And is it the right move for the All Blacks? Yeah, I think it's a great get, you know, just based on what Joe's done previously and and all the sort of insights that we've heard from people about him over the years in terms of his real analytical mind, his knowledge of the game, his um, meticulous planning and dedication, his uh, his deep knowledge of the Northern Hemisphere, which is, you know, where the All Blacks have really struggled in, in recent times, so... I think he'll be an amazing acquisition there and I think his inf- expect his influence to go well beyond the selectors' brief um, into you know performance analysis, looking at opposition. He's obviously beaten the All Blacks twice, so he knows where they're vulnerable and I think you know that will, will really help them uh, moving into next year. Interesting, uh, you know, he, uh, he clearly didn't want to start against Ireland in July, pushed the start date out to after that tour and and uh, we heard from him, of course, on that Zoom call that he's going to have a few uh, a few Irish visitors coming to stay at his brother brother's place. So probably didn't want to be caught up in uh, switching camps too soon. Indeed, and um, it's going to be fascinating to see how he assimilates with the uh, the All Blacks next year. Do you think the assistant coaches should be worried? They haven't been re-signed. We know Ian Foster's there until 2023, um, but as yet, none of his assistants have been re-signed. So is this uh, almost a warning shot, or are we reading too much into it? I think if I was one of the assistant coaches, he'd be fairly nervous. You know, Joe, Joe Wally won't be necessarily going on tour and, and those sorts of things things at this point. Uh, he does have a, a breadth of knowledge that stretches across the fence. You know, he's really good in those sort of um, set-piece uh, attacking pet plays so and, a, and general attack. So, yeah, if you're, you know, Brad Moore, who's responsible for attack, or Scott McLeod, who's, who's defence, uh, I think you'd be a wee bit nervous there for sure. And and even hear, hearing from New Zealand rugby boss Mark Robinson today was very non-committal when asked about, you know, whether they are going to re-sign those assistants that the review's ongoing and it's not likely to be completed until late Jan, early Feb. So I guess a bit of a nervous wait for uh, for that crew over over the festive period. Yeah, and speaking of reviews, the All Blacks won underway and plenty of feedback being given 
there, um, that's probably might be the most tangible change we see around the assistance and, and whether we hear if, if they've been re-signed. But they've also expanded out some of their research as well around um, the, the Takura Nata Aragamate situation, her social media posts, uh, a more thorough investigation there. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's a really uh, distressing situation, isn't it? Anytime there's a, a full, you know, mental breakdown on, on a tour, it's it's deeply concerning, and you know, I guess my heart goes out to, to her for what she's been through, and and those allegations were, you know, deeply disturbing. Uh, Glenmore's a long-time coach; he's been involved right through uh, the Highlanders, the Blues, and and the Black Ferns for a long time. Won a World Cup with them, uh, but. Clearly, there's been a, a real relationship breakdown between the two of them there, and, and clearly she didn't feel comfortable going to anyone in that environment, and felt potentially the only way to get real change was to to make a a post as she did on social media, and that certainly caught New Zealand rugby off guard. and And now they've been forced to have a, a sort of wide ranging review and and come up with some solutions. And you know, you'd have to think that Glenn Moore. Uh, you know, we're only a matter of months out from a, a home World Cup. Uh, his position's under under real threat for for taking the team towards that. So, yeah, I guess I really hope that those the full and, and proper findings are made public, so people can have a real insight into uh, what the investigation touched on and and what it's found. Uh, because you know, I guess in previous instances, New Zealand rugby's been a bit guilty of doing some of this stuff in house and not being thorough enough. So. I really hope that they get to the heart of the matter and, and, and you know, really uh, look into it properly. We've heard from Mark Robinson uh, in his final media conference of the year after the NZR board meeting talking about Silver Lake. Now, um, this goes all the way back to last year, essentially. They still haven't been able to get over the line. Now they're going to add more resource, resource to their commercial unit, look at other opportunities in that space. So, as we head into the Christmas New Year season, Liam Napier, what's your read on where on earth we're at with the Silver Lake scenario? Jeez, it's a long-running saga, isn't it? It's hard to know even what to compare it to. Uh, just absolutely um, butting heads, the Players Association and New Zealand Rugby all year long, as you mentioned. So, and you know they're talking about incremental progress, but from the outside, it, it looks like it hasn't really gone anywhere. We've seen a, a reduction in the stake that Silver Lake is seeking from 125 to 7.5%, but otherwise, you know, no real tangible progress or or change. So uh, Mark Robinson saying today that they are going to meet next week, one week out from Christmas, to try and continue to nut things out, but I certainly wouldn't hold your breath that they're going to sign this thing off anytime soon because it even if they do reach some sort of agreement, they have to have a special general meeting and bring the provincial unions back in to sign it off, and they've already signed off a previous deal. So, look, I think the fact that New Zealand Rugby are going out exploring alternative uh, investment opportunities, that's that's an acknowledgement that basically all the powers still in the Players Association's hands. They, they, through the uh, collective bargaining situation, they have power of veto. And so they have the ultimate say. And if they don't want the Silver Lake deal, they can block it. So New Zealand Rugby, I think, are determined to have some form of private investment. And we've seen that, you know, really entrench itself in the the Northern Hemisphere game where I think there's, you know, up to a billion dollars of investment there across, you know, um, a number of different competitions. And so I think it is inevitable that New Zealand Rugby will go down this track. But whether it's Silver Lake... um, Hard to know, hard to know at this point. So, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't wouldn't hold off uh, cracking open your Christmas beer because uh, it'd go go warm on this deal. That's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of uh, deals, um, just before they wrap up for the year, we've had Cody Taylor re-signed to twenty twenty five. Sam Kane, Adi Savia do likewise. So they're all on board until twenty twenty five, but they're all got sabbaticals early twenty twenty four after the next World Cup. Good business though, getting those three signed away. Yeah, I think New Zealand rugby can be pretty pleased with their their contracting status, and I think COVID, the COVID changed the world, hasn't it, in a number of ways, and, and that's probably helped. But uh, certainly, that sabbatical option in Japan is a, a major carrot that they can dangle. It, it seems just about every top line player that allows them to go over there, cash out for a short time, and and come back and and play the vast majority of their rugby in New Zealand. So. You know, if you if you think back a few years to Charles Piertels and the Stephen Lewis tours, there was a, a bit of a trend there with um, particularly, I guess, uh, guys with Pacific heritage leaving early and and looking to set their families up. Um, but that seems to have swung back during COVID times, and and senior players in particular are a lot more keen to uh, to sign longer term deals that um, secure their futures and give them that security and allow them, you know, a wee bit of flexibility. So, yeah, I think New Zealand rugby will be pretty pleased on the whole. You know, all, basically all the All Blacks that they want to keep are staying. So now it's about getting them to perform on the park. Just finally, Sarah Hedini named the Calvin R. Tremaine Player of the Year at the New Zealand Rugby Awards. The Blackfern Sevens captain won Olympic gold with them this year. The right choice for the uh, for the 2021 season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, stunning achievement by the Black Ferns, and it was a real culmination of supreme dominance over, a, I guess, a long period of time. You know, they were the dominant team on on that circuit, and and they really, I guess, had a hard look at themselves and and changed their culture and a lot of things um, about that squad from uh, Rio, the heartbreak that they that many of them experienced there, and, and really turned that around. And instead of Sarah Hardy. You know, the real heart and soul of that team. She's so humble. She's so hardworking. And, you know, she was such an inspirational figure. So, yeah, I think they got that bang on. Uh, I, I think it would potentially a bit of a tight choice for the Māori player of the year. Ash Dixon had, had a great season and a great servant. So, um, you know, potentially he could have been recognised as, as he heads off to Japan. But uh, for the overall prize, absolutely no qualms of uh, um inspirational athlete and, you know, more power to That's Liam Napier, Chief Sports Writer for the New Zealand Herald. And that about does us for this edition of Rugby Direct. Hope you enjoyed that one. We'll be back in your feed with a couple of summer editions. We'll be chatting to the Tournament Director of the Women's World Cup 2021. Push back to 2022. Michelle Hooper to join us on a podcast and another special guest as well as we talk a potential format that could really revolutionise world rugby. You'll see that pop up on your podcast feed. Have a magnificent summer. We'll see you back for more Rugby Direct early in the new year.